Juan, nice to have you on here. Nice for us to finally meet. I'm excited. I'm super excited too, Jordan. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's my pleasure. So I, I like to start off by giving you, I like giving you a little bit of an intro. I think if there's somebody listening who doesn't necessarily know where you, who you are and, and maybe why I would want to have you on my podcast, I'd like to give you a little preface and then you can tell us a little bit about yourself. So okay. I like, I, I have been following you for a long time and honestly, just this, I put you in a, a category of like women who lift, women who eat. And then something I think you do extremely well is that none of your content comes across like you have an agenda other than helping people live their best life. And so you're not like super biased and it's all body composition stuff or it's on the other end of the spectrum where it's like everyone needs to eat a ton of food and, you know, never restrict ever, ever, ever under any circumstance. I feel like you come from a place of like no bias, no agenda. It's like, you know, if, if it's if, if you want to work on body composition goals, great. If you want to work, uh, eat more and, and work on relationship with food and lift and and that's great. It's about doing what makes you happy. It's what helps you live your best life. And so I think that that like lack of having an agenda and like willingness to like treat people's goals and treat people as individuals, it's not lacking, but like I'm very happy to use my platform to highlight it. So I think you do that extremely well. well thank you. Thanks. I'm glad that it comes across that way. You know, definitely my goal is to help people. Uh, I'm not you know, anti-diet, although maybe some of my posts might seem like it. I'm, I'm, I'm pro-health. So, you know, um, but yeah, I try to cover all bases to, to help anyone wherever they are on their journey. And that's difficult to do, to cover all bases. It's much easier to be like, okay, I'm niche, like I talk body comp or I'm, I'm niche, I'm a competitor, I'm niche, I'm anti-diet. And so it is difficult. Mm -hmm. You find, do you, do you find that you, you catch yourself uh, like putting a lot of disclaimers in your posts of like, you know, I find that I also try and tread that line of like, if this makes you happy, if you want to do this in the right circumstances, not not for everyone. And so that's like, it's much easier to be black and white and have this like very absolute language and pick one thing and everyone needs to do this. And so do you find yourself <laughs> like, like not, not tiptoeing with your word choice, but like needing to make sure people understand where you're coming from? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I do have, I do have to feel like I sometimes have to say, you know, I'm not anti-diet. I don't want to come across that way. Um, but like I said, I'm pro-health and, but I am anti-diet when it compromises your health. And this is why I'm, I'm against it. If it's not the appropriate time for you, for where you are. Right. Agreed. So, yeah, I love it. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, how you got into this, what you currently do. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so I'm a 49 year old mom, wife. I grew up in Michigan. Um, I, I love fitness from the very beginning, but I never pursued it because I felt like it was kind of unacceptable for my parents to do that. You know, they want to be, you know, if you, everyone knows Asian culture back then, maybe even now you gotta be a doctor or a lawyer, you know, it's nothing, <laughs> nothing in between. So um, I became an occupational therapist um, and then I changed careers, became a pharmacist. Then I quit that to uh, purchase a brick and mortar business um, three years ago. And, um, and I just sold that a couple of weeks, couple of weeks ago to pursue coaching full-time. Awesome. What kind of business is that? It was called DexaFit as where I do DEXA scans, RMR testing and VO2 max tests. Did you, did you, was it a positive experience or did you learn something that you like take Absolutely. with you going forward? Oh, sure. Yeah. I think it was a valuable experience. I mean, you know, I think it kind of complemented, um, you know, my coaching as well. Um, I learned so much. I, I don't take, I don't want to take it back. You know, definitely a valuable experience for sure. Cool. Yeah. Are you enjoying, I mean, I, I'm thinking of my own path 
where I went from, you know, working in a gym to then owning brick and mortar space myself and then transitioning online. And I know that my reasonings were, was it something that was like, okay, I'm not passionate about this anymore. I am passionate about coaching. I want to jump in with both feet or was, is it like, I don't enjoy this anymore. Or how did that go? It was, it was a combination. I definitely loved the work. I loved the interaction with the clients that came in. I mean, I didn't want them to ever feel like, oh, I hated it. I did not hate it. I absolutely loved it, but I, I love coaching more. So I wanted, I want to go all in to my true passion. That's my passion. That's why I want to do it. So that, that's yeah. awesome. That's, in, that's inspiring to like, just do that. And this is, I didn't want this to come off this way, but it's inspiring to do that at any stage in life where you're just like, fuck it. I'm oh, going right. to turn the page <laughs> and I love this thing. And you know, I feel like you have wonderful content. So I'm sure you have a good, like good feedback from that where you're like, you know, I, I could actually do this. Like you speak very well, your posts are really great. And so that's awesome. Super exciting. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's something I do want to inspire other women because I, you know I I I made so many career changes late in life and did a lot of these massive things later in life. So you know, usually when a time when people are kind of comfortable in the in their jobs, I mean, trust me, my my pharmacist position was very very you know um, stable and very well paid and and all that, but I didn't have fulfillment in that. So I'm trying to encourage people. You know, you, you gotta chase your passion, even though it's scary as hell. You won't have any more any. Reg- I don't want to look back and have re- regrets. I think that'd be the worst thing. Yeah, that's well, very well said. That is something I think about often. I've not to pit tangent on my own shit. Everyone knows my story, but uh, it's very similar. I was supposed to be a lawyer and pivoted to personal training. My parents were pissed, and then and then made a t- made a, a quote a ton of money for somebody in his early twenties, and then gave that up to eventually gave that up and gave up owning my own space to move online where immediately I took a massive pay cut, obviously. Um, and my parents again were like, what the hell are you doing? You know, I, I don't know. I think that their generation just valued that stability a little bit more. And I valued like the, I'm not feeling fulfilled. And like right. my, my, my dad is, uh, like a foreign like a he was an immigrant and and obviously he's been there for here for like 20 years now but you know when he came here was just like i need a job i need stability i need an income i need to be able to pay the mortgage i got to support the kids and that's super admirable by the way it's provided for me to be able to make a a different path choice for myself um but that 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 almost doesn't click sometimes where he's like i don't understand i don't understand like you're making all this money what what are you doing i'm like oh i'm not enjoying it like you know um so yeah yeah Cool. Totally. So, so every time I have somebody on the podcast, you know, you filled out that little form beforehand. We talked about what you might want to talk about. And you had said, okay, my passion right now is helping ladies understand inner health must come first and aesthetics will follow. And then there's, you know, a discussion about not chasing fat loss, learning to live in maintenance, stop obsessing over the scale, focusing on getting strong. Like, let's talk about that a little bit. Like, why is that your passion? Why is that so important to you? I think it comes from a place of my own struggles and um, along that path of, you know, discovering that, you know, trying to chase fat loss and being lean, and it just leads down to a whole host of problems. And if you do that, you're never going to get the the body that you want if you're chasing the wrong things. So once I personally focused on the things that were important, like, you know, eating enough and getting enough sleep and focusing on not overtraining and, you know, um, rest days and listening to my body and all those things and actually not dieting, um, my, my world turned upside down and I want other women to understand how good life can be when you stop chasing those things and then everything falls into place. And then those last five pounds just don't matter anymore. You know, when you feel so good and then you're just going to focus on being strong and eating and feeling good and having energy and all that. And your relationships improve too. You know, I mean, home life was miserable when I was miserable, you know, it just has a, a domino effect to all areas of your life. Yeah. I put up, a. Uh 
a post once about like the pros and cons of doing calorie surplus, let's say, or gaining phase. And if you write down the pros and cons, the pros list is we could spend an hour on it. You know, better yeah. sleep, you know, better training, like better recovery, like better sex drive, better hormones, you know, yeah. uh, you, you could better quality of life just from a like practical standpoint of like being able to not worry about what you're eating as much, like um, more inclusive environment. Quality of life goes through the roof and the list of, goes on and on. There's one, literally one quote downside and it's body fat gain. And if you look at that and you don't read it and you just zoom out, there's a thousand things in that pros column and one thing in the cons column and i just find that it is you, something you do extremely well is it's not about it, it might be it might be about telling people that that the pros column are more important um which i would agree with it's more important the pros and you could just replace surplus with eating enough and we could say maintenance right. um right and you know it's more of highlighting that those pros they matter they matter i just feel like there's just they don't they don't they get undervalued it's like if i ask you what are the top five things you care about they're all being my leanest 24 7 and there's just like not enough and i think you said it where some people don't realize how good they could feel and it's like it's a disconnect because they don't know what you know you, right. you know is that you could be less irritable you could be less fatigued you could be less stressed out all the time you could have no anxiety going out with your friends you could have those things you can have it all maybe it requires not being your absolute most shredded 24 seven, but that's probably yeah. a life that you would take. And so I can imagine that it's like, if you have a client who just, you know, that's your job as a coach. It's like, they might not, they might, they might trust you, but they don't, they haven't felt it yet. Right. Um, and so how do you maybe communicate that? Or, you know, how do you get some of that buy-in with your clients of like, Hey, this stuff's important. Well, I just kind of remind them that what they've been doing so far hasn't been working. Like it hasn't been working, so you gotta be, you gotta do something different. I love you know? that. Yeah. Yeah. So I just kind of remind them of that, and then just focus. I just tell them you got to focus on the positive and and trusting. And I, I know it's hard to trust the process if you've never been there, but I always kind of remind them also. Like I'm not telling you to do anything that I personally haven't done myself or experienced. I'm leading you down this path. I've been there, and I want you to take my hand. I'm gonna show you the way. So. Yeah. So that's usually works. And then until like, you know, they have a moment where they're kind of freaking out about whatever, and then I have to remind them again. So, but yeah, it gets better over time. Yeah. I love that you said that because it's sometimes it sounds like a douchey comment where you're like, Hey, you hired me because what you were doing wasn't working. And it sounds kind of like 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 too cut and dry, very direct, but it is on some level, extremely true. Like you are here right now to try something new because what you've been doing doesn't work. So I know what you're what what I'm explaining to you right now might make you a little scared, might be a little nervous, but you are literally here for that purpose. And I usually tell people like, "Hey, if you're I'm thinking of a couple of clients right off the bat, right? Uh, but if it is the thing that is if it is the thing that scares you the most, chances are that it, that fear is like your gut telling you that you probably should. Uh, Absolutely. usually whatever is the most causes you the most fear is probably the place where you have the most room for personal growth. And so you this person hired you because what they were in, do, what they were doing wasn't working. And so you, did you think what I was going to tell you, which is something different, wasn't going to be scary, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you're absolutely right though. I mean, whatever scares you the most is probably the thing that you have to do the most. Yeah. I, mean, I feel like that's that's the case. Yeah. So. It, it at least leaves clues, you know. If you're scared of jumping right. off a cliff, you probably don't do that. But yeah, it, right. leaves, it leaves clues. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, totally. Where do you think and maybe this is intuitive, maybe people know, but like where do you think people go wrong like where how do people end up in that place where they they then hire you and they're like hey like I, I don't I don't feel good about my body I'm not feeling good about my relationship with food like how do people end up in that place I think because they keep believing this lie a lie that 
thinness or being your leanest self is going to bring them happiness. So they keep chasing that and keep going down that hole. And then also the environment is important too. I think they're, they keep surrounding themselves with people who are promoting that lifestyle as well. So when you're, you know, constantly being fed this, this, I think a lie, um, it's hard to break out of that. And a lot of times it, it, it means people have to reach their lowest of lows to finally be like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah, I think they've been told for, I mean, there's more that we can get all like anti-marketing and that that is true. There's way more money in making you feel insecure. There's billion, billions and billions of dollars to be made off of your insecurities. It's way easier mm -hmm. to tell you you need to look a certain way. It's like we can sell you a certain thing. Um, do you think Do you think we're making some strides in in the right direction? And and I made some notes. I feel bad putting you on the spot, but like what what... What might make you think that we're making some strides in the right direction? Because I feel like we are. Obviously, I don't. I think we have a long way to go. You know, we're up against the decades of marketing and stuff. But like, what? Yeah. Like, do you feel like we're making some steps in the right direction? And 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 maybe why? I, you know, I was thinking about this. I think you're right. I think we are. But it's it, it takes a village, and it's gonna take a long time. But it's from the DMs I get, the messages I get, the feedback that I get, you know, constantly saying, you know, I'm finally changing my ways. I'm, I'm finally doing things differently. You changed the way I've thought about things, you know, that constant feedback that I'm getting, it tells me that we're, we are making like, uh, if I, I can impact one person's life at a time, that's all it's all it takes. So yes, it's gonna be slow, but I think, I think it's, we're kind of getting there. Yeah, I would, I would, the one thing I wrote would be I'm sure there's a lot of reasons, but the thing that stuck out to me was like, okay, what, what has at least moved the needle towards this like empowerment of women to eat more and maybe lift weights and not worry about being bulky and, and not worry about so much about the scale and what all of those things. And honestly, I I, I want to give a lot of credit to CrossFit. Like I just you you know me, I have a whole podcast like that semi shits on, <laughs> yeah semi shits on uh, CrossFit. It doesn't, of course, but and I, I think CrossFit's oh. great in the right context, of course. Oh no, yeah, you you had you, you broke it down yeah. evenly. Thank you. Not, really. yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. But I, I am so thankful for CrossFit just by putting some of these amazing, amazing ladies in the spotlight. And then also just it's a it is a constant like it's a group fitness thing. So let's say that most group fitness platforms are, are marketed to women, let's say. But it's yeah. a group fitness platform that has a real strength and resistance training element gets a freaking barbell in people's hands, you know, squatting and deadlifting and overhead pressing heavy and almost kind of peeling back some of that stigma of pink dumbbells and you have to be tiny and all this stuff. And so I love CrossFit's existence in that world. And I think that that has from the CrossFit games and the amazing women that are performing there and, and, and performing, she's uh, competing there, but all the way just down to like your everyday box of like people who might otherwise not have ever had a barbell in their hands. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you're right. I mean, um, as long as we have like role models in this space, who promote that lifestyle, you can tell that, you know, I get a lot of DMs like, I want to look like that person. I'm like, well, you know, you need to start eating more. <laughs> you gotta stop dieting. So we have positive role models in the space. Um, we just need it to, you know, continue to happen. Yeah, I think that there's a, I, I say fairly often that this like, uh, you know, you'll, uh, I don't know what kind, what, what your typical clientele is, but you I'm sure have come across somebody who's just like, hey, I'm, I'm already kind of lean and decent shape and I'm looking to get you know, in better shape, leaner, lose fat from here. And I just find that if you're out there listening and you're like, hey, I really, I'm, I'm fine, but I'd love to lose the last X pounds. And that's always how it's phrased, the last few, as if when those are gone, you're what, a fucking skeleton or something. Yeah. Um, as, as if when those are gone, you now have a six pack. Or those are gone, now you have this. Those are gone, now you have a striation in your, in your delt or something like that, whatever. Just 
almost in every context, if you're out there thinking, I'd love to lose the last single digit of pounds before I'm extremely lean, like insert that here, like chances are it's not worth it. I'm not saying it's not worth it. You get to decide that. But I just think that there's a misconception of like the leaner you get, the more disproportionate amount of work to reward that you have to do. And if you're okay with that, that's cool. But uh, do you find that that's something you tend to have to eventually educate people on? It's like the expectations of this like work to reward ratio. Absolutely. Um, you know, it comes up all the time. And I was like, you know, those last five, 10 pounds are so hard to get off, especially if you're already lean. I tell people what, what got you to this point is not going to get you to that point. It's just incrementally way harder and you have to make way more sacrifices. And is it really worth it? I mean, if you want to go cool, but most times you're going to get there and you'll be like, it's not worth it. It's the kind of life that you quality of life that you have to live and the sacrifices you have to consistently make to keep that those last five, 10 pounds is it's not to me, it's not worth it. Cause I've been there. I know what that's like, and it's just not worth it. So I just try to make people try to open their eyes and you can still do it. I'm just telling you that it's probably not going to be worth it. <laughs> yeah. And you, you probably f agree that one of two things usually happens. One, the person takes your, uh, that you have this conversation, then you guys come to an understanding of like, okay, maybe it's not worth it. Maybe I don't need to be, you know, have my calories go even lower and be even hungrier and have, you know, even less ability to eat what I want and to get those last few pounds, which by the way, nobody notices, but you, and you probably barely exactly. even notice them. Um, exactly. That either happens, which is great. You know, you, you honestly, sometimes that's the end of coaching. Sometimes like a client will be like, great. Like I actually much happier now that we've come to this conclusion and I, I don't need you for coaching anymore, which is a wonderfully <laughs> happy experience. Um, or, or, and one of my, one of my, and this is a coaching like technique that I've used, like help is like explaining that, but then being very helpful and helping them get there. And one of two things will then happen is they actually get there and realize maintaining this sucks and getting here sucked, or they quit quote unquote along the way. Cause they're like, you know what, actually I don't want to do this. This blows. And so like, sometimes it does take like going for it for you to be like, okay, actually sure. this, like, like they might not believe you at first glance, but then they're like, okay trying to do it calories to come down another 200 steps go up or whatever it is that you're doing and you're like no this actually sucks yeah absolutely yeah. yep i've had i have a, i've had a few clients that like that i i tell them wow your your before picture is most people's after want to be picture you know you're so lean and you look great and i i always tell them i mean i'll, I'll help you try to get to this goal and most times they they come to the same conclusion honestly they just realize you know what it's not as easy as they thought it would be. And they kind of accept that and they move on. Cool. Yeah, let's let's talk about the scale a little bit. Um, I'm, I don't know uh, I, what your answer to this will be, but like, how is it, how do you view the usage of the scale with, and how do you implement it with your clients? And what are some of maybe the, the important discussions that we need to have with clients around the scale? Well, first and foremost, I, I'm still trying to teach women to kind of make that emotional disconnect with that number. Uh, it's really hard. Um, I think it's, it's a, it can be a valuable data point because that's just one teeny tiny piece of the puzzle. It's not the only one. I think it's helpful um, if clients can emotionally detach themselves. I like them to weigh daily or you know at least four or five times a week just to get a weekly average. It's hard when you just weigh in once a week. But at the same time, if there's someone who's like, it just absolutely just cannot handle the scale. I'm like, we don't have to use a scale because right now we're reverse dieting or we're in a maintain maintenance phase or a health phase. It's not, it's not important. Um, so I kind of meet them where they are, but I do try to educate them. Hey, this is just like the weather, you know, like you just, 
just give me the number. That's my job to take that information and, and run with it. You just report it. So yeah, I just, I have, that's my, that's my overall thought on it. Yeah. 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 I like that you, I wasn't sure what your answer to that question was be, but <laughs> I was glad to hear that you didn't immediately say, no, we don't use it at all. It's terrible. You know, um, that answer I would have had, a, I would have had a difficult time swallowing and moving on from that. But, um, yeah, I'm glad that you're like, Hey, it's a tool we need to, we need to use it based on where the individual is and based on the goal. And I, I certainly know that there are going to be times where weighing more frequently is beneficial and practicing, not weighing in and having other things, you know, reminding yourself of other things that matter is also important. A lot of times that happens at maintenance. Um, yeah, yeah. I think that that I think that detaching emotionally from the scale is like it feels sometimes like an inanimate object. Like like people can't even imagine what that would be like. And it's almost it's almost the the great Jordan Syatt had taught me once that it's like, you know, not necessarily not having any emotions to the scale like if you the, you know that might be a reasonable outcome for some people they get to a point where I, I would have to say I'm at that point I get on the scale I just don't give a shit or whatever it says right. okay but yeah. but I'm not I'm not our clients most of the you know I'll, I'll, I'll level with them I just that I don't come from that background and so I'm not at that place but the goal yeah. would be to get to a place where it, your emotions don't dictate your actions and that it doesn't let's say you have a goal um or at the very least what I like to, the picture I like to paint is like, imagine your baseline emotions are a zero and you know, you could be really happy up to a 10 and really sad up to a 10. And I feel like every time people get on the scale, if it goes down, they're a happy 10. If it goes up, they're a, they're a sad 10. And it's like, yeah. okay, the fact that you're having emotional reaction, that's a, that's kind of okay. Like this is kind of human, like you're not a robot, but can we bring the tens down to like a two or a one? Like if the scale goes down, you're allowed to be like, oh, that's cool. If it goes up, you're gonna be like, oh, but can we bring it down to this point where it's not this like earth shattering roller coaster, you know? Right, right, exactly, uh, exactly. And then not taking action based off whatever that number said, you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. And what? And then there's like a total component of and you had you had said this to somebody where you're like, uh, I want to look like this person, and quite often you're like, and and this used to be something I did early on where I'd be like, send me a picture of what your ideal, what like you've explained it to me, what you're kind of looking for. Is there something out there that that even, I know you're not somebody else, but is there somebody out there that represents kind of the direction you'd like to go? And I'm like, this fucking person has 30 pounds more muscle than you. Like <laughs> yes. they have less fat than you, totally, but they have yeah. 30 yeah. pounds extra on top of you muscle. And so the weight, the scale is almost seen as this like up and down thing, but it's not like you're, you want, if your if your goal is to like be lean or slash toned, yes, you need down in terms of fat, but you will probably also need up in terms of muscle. And Absolutely. so it can't just be this up and down thing. Right, right. Yeah, yeah I always tell people, you know, the, the your your dream body is probably going to weigh more than you think. Honestly, um, people people are sometimes shocked if they find out like what someone really weighs, and you know they don't they don't care because they know that it has no no impact on their well, on what they actually look like. Yeah. So. Yeah. Awesome. So we're going to move on. I like picking apart some of your content. There was a post that you had put up fairly recently. It said eight things you need to check off before starting a cut. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you wrote them down. I wrote them down. But let, we could just talk in general things like some form of a checklist to go through. If you're out there, you're listening, you're like, I'm considering a cut or maybe, I don't know, hope, hopefully people out there aren't considering a cut right now because like holidays are fairly um, around the corner. But let's yeah. say you are. Um, what's some of the things that you would at least want people to think about before starting a cut? Um, well, definitely where are your current calories right now? You know, I mean, if they're low, how you, where are you going to cut from? 
So we got to make sure that your calories are a healthy maintenance maintenance level. And I always tell people, you know, uh, that's very different than one that has adapted to low calories. So understand that the difference is important. So making sure your calories are in a good place. Um, you just didn't end a cut, you know, like let's not just jump right back into cut. It's, it's not really a good time. Your body won't respond. Or, it, you know, it, you're just going to realize that it, you're going to go in, be six or eight weeks into it and realize nothing's happening. So it didn't just end a cut. Um, biofeedback is in a good place. You know, sleep, digestion, your libido, your menstrual cycle, um, hunger, digestion, all those things. Um, this might be a dumb else? question, but this might be a dumb question. But let's say somebody doesn't do that. Let's say somebody is not in that place eating high maintenance calories, whatever, and they begin a cut. Like what what are the downsides? What's like, well, I mean, it's fairly obvious, but what does that even look like? What, what will happen to that person? Well, they're going to, they're, well, their, their biofeedback is probably going to start tanking. You know, sleep is going to probably get shitty you know strength is going to go down they're going to be moody um re really hungry no libido um you know anxious and you know depressed and you know yeah what else i'm mean, missing something it, it yeah. won't last very long right i mean the, the, you won't oh. if if the reason people can't stick to cuts is because it's uncomfortable and, and uncomfortable is an umbrella term for all the things you just said then that discomfort's coming quick it's coming. Yeah. You're right on the edge. If you're right on the edge of those deficit calories, eating super low calories, you haven't been out of a deficit very long, and you go right back into a cut or you go right into a cut from low calories, like you might feel okay in this exact moment. But if you haven't spent a long time in maintenance and that maintenance itself wasn't maybe on the higher end, and we could talk about that in a second, it's like you're going to go right back to feeling like crap. And it's just not going to, you won't, we're not just talking about you being. Like the things you just said aren't necessarily just about, hey, we want you to be healthy. These are like, you won't be successful if you don't do yeah. this either, right? Right, right, exactly. And and something else you said is super important. So you said, okay, there's a difference. I don't know if this is exactly what you said, I wrote it, but there's a difference between the calories you've adapted to and your metabolism working optimally at the upper end of whatever your maintenance calories can be at a certain body weight. Um, talk about that for a second. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of women are, um, have been chronically dieting. They're used to eating 12, 13, 1400 calories. And that is their normal. That is their maintenance calories, um, because their body has adapted to what it has given them, um, which is far different than what someone, you know, most grown active women generally, I can say can eat upwards of 2000 calories, 1800, 2000 calories, depending on how big you are, more petite, you're, or maybe older, is less, but generally speaking. And so um, that's a big difference, you know, and if your calories are already adapted to very low, then you have to go even lower to create a deficit. And that's just not, I can't even fathom someone trying to diet off of 800, 900 calories. But yes, there's a difference. Yeah. So there's, there's going to be, obviously your metabolism is a range, something we've talked about quite a bit on the podcast. So your metabolism is certainly a range and it's adaptive and it can adapt down and it can adapt up. And if you're sitting yeah. at the the low, low, low end of your maintenance calories, which can be, you know, how much of a range is maintenance? It's, I'll tell you right now for every person listening, it's at least 200 calories. It's likely for a lot of people more, um, especially depending on diet history and, and muscle mass and then obviously genetics. And so you have a range of, of calories that you can eat and maintain a certain amount of body weight. Your body's mostly through a regulation of like non uh, subconscious movement neat is going to adapt up and down, burning more and less calories. And so you made a super important point is like, there's, it's not just enough to be like, Hey, I haven't lost or uh, gained or lost weight lately. It's like, well, are you doing that? Are you maintaining your weight at the low end of your maintenance where you're just probably not functioning optimally across the board? Or, or have you actively pushed your calories up kind of the highest that they can go where 
everything for lack of a scientific world like all guns blazing like everything about your body and hormones and everything and satiety signals are all in check relationship with food is on point training's on point um and so that's a big big difference i think a lot of people will like reverse out of maintenance a couple hundred calories and then they stay there for two weeks and like okay i haven't i haven't lost any weight and i'm like yeah but you could probably also not lose any weight or gain any weight like two three four hundred calories more yeah and that is the place i need you to stay for a while before potentially doing this again yeah exactly yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about uh, one of the ones that you, I guess, was next on the list was like not in the midst of crazy life stress. Like, what would you say to somebody who's like, yeah, you know, but like, and these people are a dime a dozen. It's never going to be perfect. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. There's never going to be perfect time, but there will be better times because if you're trying to do it while you're, you know, I don't know, like going to go on vacation in two weeks. Like why this doesn't, you want to, you want to be, you want to just set yourself up for success. So you're not in the middle of a move, major move or career change or divorce or injury, illness, those things, you know, there, there are better times to do it. Yeah. That is the exact quote I was hoping you would say. It's like, there's never, it's never going to be perfect. But if you right. are telling me that that translates to, well, then it's all the same. That is just not true. It is September <laughs> what day is it September 16th like if you started a cut right now like you ain't making it to the end of the year like we have holidays coming up like <laughs> yeah. you know this is a terrible time not this maybe today but like this block of time is a terrible yeah. time to try and cut for most people could you do it sure but yeah. there are going to be better times than others and 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 it's a fine balance right because we don't want to let everybody off the hook here it's not like oh I have a, I have a, a, a client dinner I can't cut right now it's like okay you probably always have that you probably always yeah. have dinner at mom's you probably always have like kids right. birthday like but you know if you have two vacations in a 12 week span and 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 you know family staying over for five days okay this might not be the best block of time and so i think that recognizing that it's there is no perfect time but there certainly are better times than others is an important thing for people when they're like scheduling sure. when they're going to try and do a cut let's say yeah for sure and then if they do insist you have to manage their expectations of what kind of results they're going to they're going to get you know you're just going to have to accept that it might not be as good as if they were able to do it in a time where they didn't have all these other major distractions because you're right there's always gonna be something you can't like you know there's always gonna be things that you have to navigate but it's definitely different from major life stressors yeah i had a client she she's um I know she'll listen to this and she's a coach as well. And she's really like well-versed in this, like, you know, uh, doesn't need like too much of me, not me micromanaging. But when we first took her on or when I took her on, she had a ton of, like almost an insane amount of vacations right off the bat. Like in the, in the first like eight weeks that we were working together in a deficit, she was like, I have five vacations or something, a bachelor, bachelor party, oh like all this stuff. And we literally just came to the conclusion. I was like, if you even just maintain across this time, like that's super cool. Like we need to like right. make sure we're managing expectations given certain circumstances like she wanted to be in a deficit I'm like if you want to be in a deficit while you're home not on these trips that's cool but like i don't want you to look back at the end of five vacations and be like wow i was an uptight dick about my nutrition and i didn't have fun and right. i probably am in the same place anyway if i just had a good time uh and so i, I definitely got that managing expectations component super important yeah 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 exactly exactly cool um, let's let's talk about how to set yourself up for success like before or during a cut and i know that we just talked about what the checklist would be but like what are some of the steps let's say okay client let's say they, they're in that position they're like i've been at maintenance i'm, I'm feeling good you know biofeedback's in a good place i don't I'm not moving right now all that stuff i'm in a good headspace like what might come next in that discussion with you and a client well, I just want to make sure that all their, their lifestyle habits are in a good place too. Like, you know, are you sleeping well? Um, how's your digestion? 
Um, do you have any hunger issues right now? Um, I got to look at all those things. Um, and then their, their ability to, to commit to the process too, understanding, you know, there is not going to, it's not like life is going to be drastically different, but you will have to make some sacrifices and have to make some changes. So being aware of that and making, you know, having a commitment toward that process. Um, so yeah, just all those things I think are important to look at. Yeah. What if, what, if, what might be, and not to put you on the spot and there's no right answer to this question, but like the discussion of like, okay, where, where am I setting my calories? Like how might that discussion go from your end? Where the calories should be currently? Well, well if, you go into the cut. Like, where, where, where are we going to start with calories, you know? Oh, oh, okay. Um, well, you know, of, of course, it depends. I generally do like to do a generally 20% deficit from their current, where their calories are, and then just move from there. We can always, you know, make adjustments if nothing's moving or if it's going too quickly, um, change that as well. So it's just, uh, you know, it's just got to play it by ear at that point. Yeah, and that, that 20% usually represents, like, a fairly... Cons not conservative, but most people are going to feel okay on that amount for a decent amount of time, which I think is a totally rational place to start. It's like, hey, let's start with a, a number. And and my answer, I was thinking as you were as you were saying, that probably would be first establishing like what is definitely a deficit. And I think twenty percent is a great answer because that is definitely a deficit. But I think some people are like, hey, I'll just I'll chop two hundred calories off and I'll be in a deficit. It's like, yeah, two hundred calories. You you're probably adapting to that. And if you're not, it's it's such a small deficit that it's indetectable on the scale right. um you know day-to-day -day water fluctuations you gain you lose a pound every month you can't see that on the scale due to water water fluctuations so i think establishing right. like what is that for sure a deficit usually like at least 300 calories or something like that but 20 percent works great um and then like you said it's it's such a it's such a question that means literally nothing to you and me as a coach who know that that whatever we pick to start does not decide whether you succeed or fail. There's so much more happening right now. People are like obsessed about how many calories should I eat for how many calories should I start with? How big of a deficit? It's like, yeah, you know, you're just picking this number right now and a ton of stuff is going to change. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Cool. Let me pick your brain on a couple other things. I'm thinking just from a coach to coach things like the setting up of diet breaks. Are you somebody who has that discussion maybe in the forefront of before we start, hey, we're gonna put a diet break out oh, you know, this week, or hey, we're gonna take them as they come, maybe we'll do refeeds, maybe we'll do, are you trying to get fancy with any of that stuff? Are you saying, hey, we're gonna start, we're gonna see how it goes and we'll kind of adapt as things get thrown at us? That, so I don't really pre-plan things unless, for, unless they know for sure that they're gonna go on vacation a certain week or maybe it's a holiday week, then we will plan it at that time because it just, it just makes sense. But I like to kind of go play by ear, see how the client's feeling, listen yep. to the look at the biofeedback, and then go up and go from there. Yep, I I I I kind of agree. Definitely, I think pre planning's the benefit of pre planning is is only psychological. It's not right. You we're not like sticking to the, like the benefit of pre planning is just so that I can tell you right now that four weeks from now, yeah, we'll take a diet break. But if four weeks from now you're like, hey, I feel great, things are moving, like then we obviously manipulate the plan. We just keep going. So I agree with that. I don't. I think stick i think that there are benefits across the board depends who you're working with somebody might do really great with pre-planning and, and taking that diet break even if they don't need it and some exactly. other people yeah. yeah exactly i have i had a couple of clients like that where they they were like i they wanted scheduled breaks because for them mentally it was something that they could look forward to and they could really really adhere to the time in between so i think it's really important to look at the client their needs and what what works best for them yeah Agreed. Agreed. Excellent. Okay, cool. Let's move to the last topic, which is one that I, I think we're both pretty passionate about is, uh, and something that I'm, I'm happy to rant forever on. So you'll probably have to cut me <laughs> off, but you made a post and it was hard truths, reasons you're afraid to reverse diet. Talk to me. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, it re really boils down to just this, this insane fear of gaining weight. So they would rather feel miserable than, you know, feeling better eating more or the fear of gaining weight is enough to keep them imprisoned um, to not do what's best for their body. Um, and they just assume that if they gain weight, they're going to be unhappy. There's so many assumptions and it's keeping them from doing what's best for them. And it's, it's, it's maddening. <laughs> and, it goes, and it goes back to what we had said in the beginning where it's like, Hey, in, in this list of pros and cons, here's the laundry list of things that will improve about your yeah. life. Here's the one thing that might not, not improve. Now the, the maddening part is you can only gain weight in a calorie surplus. And, right. while, and while, while this is an indirect science, it's not, we're not, we're not perfect. Oh. We picked the perfect calorie amount. We ever, we know exactly where your new maintenance is going to be. Maybe you go into the tiniest surplus for a week, half a week, two weeks, two and a half weeks, the tiniest surplus. Like these are not monumental changes. The weight you gain in a reverse diet, unless you massively fuck it up, like is, is zero ideally, or a tiny, tiny bit that even again, yeah. weighed against those pros. It's just, it's, it's, um, the, the thing that I makes sense in my brain is that we are more comfortable in restriction than we are in abundance. Like we're more, it's almost like this, um, I don't deserve, or I don't want that thing. I'm, I'm rather feel like shit, uh, than imagine that I would feel better. It's, it's really mind blowing sometimes. It is. And you know, and they're just, you know, many people are just more comfortable if that's what they're familiar with. So they would rather Stay, be miserable with the with, with what they're familiar with than doing something that's scary and they don't know. Um, but yeah, it's always trying to remind them, you know, the weight you are not in a surplus. So the weight gain that you will experience is 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 water, you know, carbs, sodium, extra food volume, all those things, and those are all really good things. And so it's just constantly reminding them what this what the scale changes. It's um, you know what it means. It's not necessarily fat gain. That's very different. Yeah. Yeah. First of all, two things I would say on that one, it is like you said, if you're doing this, you know, if we're, if we're not even potentially in a surplus, then none of this weight is fat. It's, you know, glycogen storage, it's food volume, it's, it's salt, it's some form of water weight. Let me be totally frank right now. That shit will make you look better. You will Absolutely. look better with full glycogen storage. You'll weigh more, but you will look, people hate this. No offense. Women hate the word fuller. You'll look fuller. You, <laughs> that is a good thing, guys. Your muscles yeah, are full, you full of glycogen will look more defined they will you will look right. tighter if the, you guys want to use that where you will look it's like the same thing with creatine drives me fucking nuts it's like creatine is <laughs> going to increase intracellular water in the muscle and you will your muscles will look quote larger which you could replace the word larger with more defined if it makes you feel better right. but it's the same thing um and then the other thing i would say is just like you had said hey if, even if we gain even if you God, even if you go into a hundred calorie surplus, imagine this 100 calorie surplus. Everybody out there has heard 3,500 calories to gain a pound of fat, 100 calorie surplus. It would take you 35 days. Frankly, it would take you more like 42 days. If we do the exact math of your metabolism upregulating, it would take you that many days to gain one pound. Again, not perfect science, but stay with me here. That's yeah. like a <laughs> month to gain one yeah. pound. And that's if you fuck it up and go into a surplus, which, right. you know, it might happen, by the way. And if it does, great. Two things. One, you gain one freaking pound over a month. Two, you feel even better, even faster. It's like, man, there's just a very low risk, very high reward system here. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's just trying to. To, I think it's just constantly just, I, I feel like a broken record sometimes, but I'm realizing that I need to be for, to, for, for the message to sink in. You just have to keep hearing it over and over and over again um, for them to be like, okay, I finally get it. So yeah, I think 
I think we're doing something right. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Let, let's end on that. Juan, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you, plug away. And if you honestly, if you're listening to this and you don't follow Juan already, like you're blowing it, like her content's amazing. Oh, thank you. I'm very active on Instagram. So you can find me at Juan, W-O-N dot D underscore fit. Or um, if you have uh, coaching inquiries, you can email me um, at Juan, W-O-N dot Doligowski, D like David, O-L-E-G-O-W-S-K-I at gmail.com. Excellent. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks a lot, Jordan. All right. Uh, congrats on your app. Oh, I'm thank really you excited so much. Yeah. App. It's going to be a ton of fun. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. All right. Okay. Have a good one. Okay. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Where Optimal Meets Practical. If you liked the episode, it would mean the world to me if you posted a screenshot to your social media or left a five-star review on iTunes. That stuff really helps. If you ever want to get in touch with me, just shoot me a DM on Instagram, at Jordan Lips Fitness. I'm always around to chat. Thanks, guys. Have a good one.